2: on at your service on camo x on this tuesday night it's a little after nine o'clock now local time we'll be with you until 10 nate Catter here with you this evening in our camo x studios downtown for at your service matt Pajeski and kyle sixta are in our studio with us tonight thanks so much to them for helping out as we continue and uh, wrap up our talk about uh, st louis city sc tonight City, of course, uh, off to their two wins from two games start, a 3-2 win in Austin, a 3-1 win in the home opener, much badly hooed game on Saturday night at City Park over Charlotte. A couple of teams not off to their dream starts, but City, uh, one of only four teams in Major League Soccer so far this year with six points out of six available and one of only four expansion teams ever to win their first two games in MLS. They'll try to become just the second in history, joining Seattle, to win three of their first three. They will have to go to the Pacific Northwest to Seattle's bitter rival, the Portland Timbers, on Saturday night. That game will be at 9.30 Central Time, the kickoff. So let's uh, let's sort of wrap things up, right? We heard from Bradley Carnell. We heard from Charles Boehm of MLSsoccer.com and uh, City striker Nico Joachini in, uh, in our last segment. The questions are: are where do you go from here for City? I think Portland will be a bigger test. And then they'll be back home to face San Jose. And then one of the other tests will be just as the schedule changes, forget about the specific opponent, as Charles noted for us, uh, that things are going to change. It's a, it's a summer season, right? Everywhere else in the world, soccer at the club level is played essentially on a school year schedule. They play from generally from mid-August to, to mid-May. MLS doesn't do it that way. MLS plays from February into counting playoffs in MLS Cup late November into early December. To, to wrap things up, the regular season for City will stretch until October 21st, where they will finish the season at home against uh, the powerhouse Seattle Sounders. So things are going to get more difficult as the weather gets hot. Now, Luch Vantage the sporting director for City, Bradley Carnell, the head coach, they've talked about this. They're not running from it. In fact, they they welcome it. it one of the reasons they want to play this style is because of how difficult a place St. Louis will be to play at Ump Tempo on those hot, humid nights in June, July, and August. They want that. Lutz has talked at length about wanting to make this a place that other MLS teams dread coming, not only because of the quality in the city side, but because of how they play and because of the environment and because of the weather and because of all of those things compounding and that they want those players to be imagining when their heads hit the pillow in the week leading up to the game, what a miserable experience it's going to be on an 85 degree day with about 117% humidity on a Saturday night in July in St. Louis, when they have to run and run and run for 90 minutes to keep up with those darn city guys who just won't stop. Now that's easy to say. And it's much harder to do, especially when the squad is as small as it is really only, only 20 senior players for city. And some of them very, very unproven at this level. City haven't had to reach very deep into the bench, just a the one change Joe Achini coming in to the starting 11 uh, was the major change along with Blome, who uh, played the vast majority of the first game after the injury to Indiana Bass 11. He got to start the second game. So two really just the one change that that was of significance for City from the first game to the second. There's going to be a lot more rotation in the squad that has to happen over the course of the season. One of the other things I've been thinking about and this is still maybe, unfortunately, putting a negative spin on a positive, and it's not my intention. Ultimately, maybe the the first two wins in the first two games have raised the expectations a little bit for what this is going to be like for City. As mentioned, the, the MLS prognosticators, every single one of them put City either bottom of the West or second bottom. There wasn't a lot of optimism. At the same time, under the new MLS playoff format, there are nine playoff spots out of 14 teams in the Western Conference. So you can be below average and still make the playoffs. The top eight finishers are guaranteed to host at least one home playoff game because they're going to best two out of three in the first round with the exception of the 8-9 playing game. So even if you're the eight seed and have to play the one and get lambasted in the first game away, you still get to come home and play that game to you. Even if you lose, that's a home playoff game. And that's going to be a big milestone when they get there. So I think that's probably the goal for City eighth place that's a very ambitious goal as Charles Bohm alluded to when we talked to him there's a small sample size there's still no reason to think you know that he was alluding to saying that that the wheels could still fall off that he could still finish in those in the bottom two in the west it's a difficult conference there's a lot of season to go a lot of things are going to change between now and October we know that but there's reason for ambition and I don't think people around the club have been shy about that. They had a lot of preparation time. They felt really good about the cohesiveness of the club from top to bottom. It's part of the reason that they hired Luch Fanage Steel so early. The sporting director, part of the reason they hired head coach Bradley Carnell so early. Part of the reason they have John Hackworth, now an assistant coach, in his director of coaching role, where he helps ensure that the messaging from top to bottom in the club is consistent. And it's the reason they brought so many of the players in as early as they did. They think they can compete this year, and that was their goal. If nothing else, having a competitive team from the word go, which they've clearly accomplished, regardless of whether they make the playoffs or don't, regardless of whether they even finish in the bottom two or not, having a team that is competitive consistently, even with mid-table or better MLS teams, will allow them to make more substantial observations and more substantial adjustments to the team going forward. If you have a dumpster fire of a team, like say FC Cincinnati did, by the way, that's, that's a recent expansion team, and sort of what the bar is, right? Austin kind of set a higher bar in having a lousy first season and then finishing third in the West last year in their second season. FC Cincinnati finished dead last in Major League Soccer three seasons in a row. Their first season, they were arguably the worst team in the history of the league. They set a record for most goals conceded. That's the kind of bar that that's how low it could get, right? Maybe that's not the bar, but that, that's the that's the depths of despair for an expansion team. And City already are proving they're not headed for those depths of despair. But FC Cincinnati had no identity, and they were a complete dumpster fire from the beginning for a variety of reasons. How do you fix that when you say our entire team is bad, everything about our organization is bad, everything is wrong? Meanwhile, the worst case for City is they say, well, we like how it looks from Klaus. We like the press. We like the youthful energy. We love what Leuven and Blom are doing in the midfield. Maybe we need another starting caliber winger. Maybe we want uh, an extra, you know, a third or fourth choice center back. Maybe we want to bring in a, a little more competition at right back. Maybe we need a younger goalkeeper who can take over for Berkey in a few years. Those are the kinds of questions. Already they're asking questions that established teams ask. They're thinking about progression. They're thinking about next steps. They don't have to think about, oh my gosh, we have to overhaul this entire team because we're trash. And a lot of expansion teams have to think that way. Already City are spoiled. I think that's the ultimate takeaway. Like Charles said, enjoy the two wins from two. Look ahead with optimism, but a little sense of realism at what's coming in Portland on Saturday night, what's coming down the line, and let's see how long City can keep this up. And, and if they're getting ambitious, that's the goal. Eighth place and a home playoff game at City Park in late October, early November. That's the dream. That's pretty much all we're going to do on uh, St. Louis City tonight. We're going to be switching gears to the uh, St. Louis BattleHawks and their home opener coming up this weekend. When we get back, we'll be talking to Anthony Miller, who covers the XFL. Later on at the bottom of the hour, we'll talk to Mark Schreiber from the St. Louis Sports Commission about uh, what's been going on this past weekend and what's coming up. Maybe we'll talk a little bit of St. Louis Billikins getting ready for the 8-10 tournament late on in this hour. You're listening to At Your Service on X. How powerful is Cox
0: Internet?
2: At your service on Cam X continues on this Tuesday night. We're with you until ten o'clock. Nate Gatter back with you, joined in our studio, helping us out on the boards. Matt Bajeski and Kyle Sixta, and we are joined now on the air by Anthony Miller, who covers the XFL. You can follow him on Twitter at by Anthony Miller. And uh, Anthony, obviously, it's uh, it's been a big week here in St. Louis for sports with the debut, the home debut of St. Louis City in Major League Soccer on Saturday night. But Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock here locally at the Dome and on ESPN2, going to have the re-debut, if you will, of the St. Louis Battlehawks taking on the Arlington Renegades. And there should be some excitement around the Battlehawks too. They played three exciting games off to a 2-1 start. Seems like they've been leaving a lot of drama for the fourth quarter.
4: Yeah, you know, the the Battle Hawks have been a really good team to watch so far this year. A lot of it has to do with A.J. McCarron. The job that he has done as the quarterback, Um, having that experience from when he was with the NFL and his experience playing in Alabama, I think that's really helped kind of Keep this team together. You know, that first game against San Antonio, they were down 15 to 3 with two minutes ago in the fourth quarter. And it was AJ McCarron's leadership and it was his ability to make plays with his feet and make the right reads on the throws is what made the difference in that one, as well as the Seattle Sea Dragons game uh, two weeks ago as well. I mean, he's been playing really solid. The running game has been a little inconsistent for the Battle Hawks, but really, with AJ McCarron and you know Austin Cole and Keem Butler, that offense has been really exciting to
2: watch. Yeah, I would have to think that's just another selling point for, and and not that St. Louis fans need another selling point. Expecting thirty thousand plus, maybe even uh, thirty five thousand plus at the dome on Sunday for the uh, the home opener for the Hawks, who have started uh, with three straight on the road. But uh, the the fact that a lot of this offense is happening through the air and uh, they've been able to come back late in games. As you mentioned, A- Akeem Butler, his his stats really jump out as well. Obviously, McCarron the one doing the throw in, but Butler on the receiving end has been fantastic so far.
4: Yeah, he's been probably their, their their best receiver, arguably. He had over 100 yards this past weekend against D.C. And, you know, I, I think it's his height and the ability to go up and grab the ball is what really makes a big difference in it. And A.J. says placing it in the right spot for him. So I know he's been a big target for them. Uh, Darius Shepard has been good on offense as well on special teams. And then, you know, Austin Prol is a reliable slot receiver. You know, Marcel Aitman is another one who's had success in the past. He, he this receiving core for St. Louis is one of the best in the league. Especially Aitman was considered to be one of the top receivers in the XFL coming in, and here comes Butler, here comes Shepard. I mean, they, they have tons of weapons on that receiving core that's made life a lot easier for AJ McCarron.
2: So obviously, in things to be encouraged about starting at two and one. They're they're second place in the division behind DC at three and o. Oh, uh, DC and Houston are the two three and o oh teams. DC in the north and Houston in the South, but it's only three games, a small sample size. For those of us who haven't watched as much of the XFL as you have around the rest of the league, what do you think is the ceiling for this Battle Hawks team? Where do you think they stack up uh, with the class of the league?
4: Well, I, I think right now, the, the top two teams right now is the D.C. Defenders and the Houston Roughnecks. Both of those teams have been really good just because of how consistent their defenses have been. Uh, D.C., I know they've lost points here and there, but the turnovers they've been able to create has really been able to um, really been able to help them out in that aspect. Uh, when it comes down to Houston, I mean, they have the best defense in the league. They haven't allowed more than 15 points in a game this season, so I think that's really been critical for Houston in their games, they've been able to come up with some big wins. So really I think for St. Louis right now they have to focus on those two teams. But, you know, in their own division, you know, the Seattle Sea Dragons have probably the best offense in the league. So that's gonna be a real struggle to kind of compete with there, as well as, you know, Vegas is starting to come up. They're starting to get their offense rolling. So it's really important that the Battlehawks defense really step up, especially, you know, heading into these last seven games of the season. They've got to be able to play because they're about to play some some teams that can really uh, swing around the football.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, as excited as they are uh, for these two home games, finally, after starting with three on the road, uh, it's not going to be an easy test facing Arlington off to the 2-1 and start and then a rematch with D.C., uh, a home variety coming up the following Saturday night on the 18th, although maybe a rematch that uh, the Battle Hawks will welcome after how that last matchup went. We're talking to uh, Anthony Miller, who covers the XFL. You can follow him on Twitter at By Anthony Miller. And Anthony, I guess uh, with that in mind, what do you think will be the most important things for the Battle Hawks to, to try to do to be successful on, on Sunday afternoon in a, a difficult matchup against uh, Arlington with that uh, big crowd behind them?
4: I think the big thing is just make sure they get off to a fast start. They got to make sure that crowd is involved throughout the whole game because this is a whole different environment from any XFL team is really going to deal with. I don't know if we're going to have any games that are going to hit you know, over thirty thousand fans like the ones we're gonna see this weekend. So this is kind of a, a once in a lifetime experience for the XFL this season to be able to see a team host over thirty thousand fans. So for St. Louis, they got to get off to a fast start. A.J. McCarron has got to get points on the board right off the bat and keep the fans engaged. The the tough part about the running games is this is one of the tough defenses in the XFL. They they have a, a great linebacking core, great secondary. So it's going to be tough for the Battlehawks to throw it on them. But the good thing for the Battlehawks is – the Renegades' offense has really not been able to do much. They haven't had a single game this year where they've had 250 total yards of offense. Wow. So really, as long as they place it on you know, Kyle Sloater to have to win the game for the Renegades, I think the Battlehawks have a really good chance of winning it, especially in front of a really ruckus crowd that they're about to have.
2: With that in mind, quickly before we let you go, what do you think in particular about this St. Louis market? makes it so well obviously we know what makes it so valuable to the XFL it's the number of people showing up do you think the XFL recognizes how valuable St. Louis is to the league because of those people showing up and the passion in this market
4: I mean how many times have we seen Dwayne the Rock Johnson post you know tweets about uh you know St. Louis and and having a host you know hosting a home game this week so I think the XFL truly understands that St. Louis is the cornerstone city of the XFL and they got to be able to have St. Louis be successful in their attendance. So this home game this weekend is a very critical moment for the XFL. And I know they're going to be rallying around the city and it's going to be important throughout the season to make sure that their attendance number stays over 25,000 plus. So they're, they're really going to be pushing on St. Louis to make sure they have fans going into that dome week after week.
2: Well, we're counting on you to work your sources and uh, and try to corroborate these rumors in St. Louis. The people wondering if maybe uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, uh, one of the owners of the XFL, might uh, be present himself at the Dome on Sunday here in St. Louis for the BattleHawks home opener. So uh, can you get out there and get on that for us, Anthony?
4: I will work on that for sure.
2: Well, we appreciate you. That's Anthony Miller joining us tonight. Anthony, thanks so much for your time.
4: Thanks, Nate. Appreciate it.
2: Anthony Miller covers the XFL. You can follow him on Twitter at by Anthony Miller. He's telling us all that we need to know to be ready for the uh, St. Louis Battlehawks home opener. That is coming up this Sunday at three o'clock against Arlington. They're off to a two and one start wins on the road over San Antonio and Seattle, a tight loss to the 3-0 D.C. defenders last Sunday. And finally, they get to come back home for the re-debut, if you will, of the XFL in St. Louis, Arlington and the Battle Hawks this Sunday, 3 o'clock and the following Saturday night, a rematch against first place D.C. That'll be at the Dome as well, 6 o'clock Saturday night on the 18th. So a couple of home games coming up for the Battle Hawks. Uh, It wasn't fun for St. Louis fans to have to watch them on the road the first three weeks of the season. The upside is five of the remaining seven games will be at home, two at home, then two on the road, and then three straight to finish at home in April against Vegas, Seattle, and Orlando. So a lot of football coming up at the Dome in St. Louis for some very passionate XFL fans. When we get back, we're going to be talking about that as well as uh, the fun sports weekend that we just had and uh, all the activity going on in downtown and downtown West and what that means for the city. We'll be talking with Mark Schreiber of the St. Louis Sports Commission. He joins us when we return to At Your Service on KMOX. your service continues at the bottom of the hour on a Tuesday night here on KMOX. Nate Gatter back with you, joined in the studio by Matt Pajeski and Kyle Sixta, who are keeping us on the air this evening with you for another half an hour until 10 o'clock. And we're joined now by Mark Schreiber of the St. Louis Sports Commission. Mark, uh, how you doing tonight? Oh, it sounds like we got to get uh, Mark up for you here. Hold on. See if we have him now. Mark, can you hear me?
6: I can, Nate. Can you
2: hear me? Yes, I can. Sorry about that. How are you doing?
6: I'm good. How are are you?
2: I'm all right. Uh, Mark, uh, let's first talk about the week that was before we get to the week that will be, because this has got to have been one of the busiest St. Louis sports weekends we've had in, in some time with the kickoff of City Park, if you will and uh, close to 22,500 in the building for the home opener and the the rebirth of soccer in St. Louis, if you will, the the birth of Major League Soccer in this city and all the hubbub in downtown West around that. And on top of that, Arch Madness, one of the bigger events St. Louis hosts over the course of the long weekend, the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament, was here at the same time playing at enterprise center. Uh, How how did this weekend go for you?
6: I, I wish we could have weekends like this all the time, but... This one w- was truly special, and uh, you know w- we're always thrilled to have the Valley and Arch Madness here, and then on top of it to to have the the opener for City SC and the inaugural game at, at City Park. What a night that was uh, Saturday, and and just a real gift to St. Louis to be able to have uh, an experience like that and, and such a, a fabulous few days. Uh, in downtown St. Louis and, and for the region in general.
2: You know, this is, I'm really excited to talk to you tonight because th- it's a subject that is just so interesting to me. You know, I love sports. I love our city. I know the same can be said of you and St. Louis, I think you could make an argument has as much going for it in the sports sphere as almost any city in the country. And maybe sports is one of the best things that we have going for us and that we can use as a vehicle to drive the city forward, and certainly, it seems like City SC have bought into that in using City Park as the centerpiece for revitalizing that entire downtown West area, where they're putting their offices in, the training center in, attracting a lot of local business interest and a lot of people into an area of the city that uh, had had fallen into disuse in many cases, and and was was sort of a, a less used area in between downtown and midtown into the central West End. What do you, what is the economic impact? of the commitment city have made as a club to revitalizing downtown West.
6: Well, you you said it really well right off the bat, but you know, it's so key that we have going forward elements and assets that inject life and invigorate downtown St. Louis, which is the the front door to our region. It's so desperately needed. And so to have, you know, I, I I go back to calling it a gift that that's been given to this region by the Taylor family and and Jim Cavanaugh and the entire ownership group uh, with City Park to to create this district in in downtown West and it complements what's happened in Union at Union Station and what the O'Laughlins have done there. It complements that so well, and so you know the the economic impact you, you kind of have to find an economist out there to really stick a number to it. But just as we look for a resurgence uh, of downtown, this is one of the ingredients it's got to happen more than just downtown West, but, but this is the start of something important and uh, just having that economic activity and that life is, is key. And, you know, we, we've talked a lot about um, public safety and, and safety issues, you know, for the, especially over the last several weeks. And one great way to help solve those issues is by having vibrancy and people, uh, crowds in the area. And so when you have a night like that Saturday, it makes the area much safer just by having, by the virtue of having a lot of people down there. So all that rolls in to the, the economic impact and the dollars and cents of it as well. Yeah, I think
2: that's a great point, and you mentioned the need for more and the need to to keep moving forward, that the downtown West element is just one part, the sports scene is maybe just one ingredient. So let's talk about what comes next, first on the micro scale, and then maybe we can talk macro a little bit as well. But this is a big weekend coming up, even if uh, Arch Madness is, is over for another 51 weeks until we get to do it again uh, next year, and uh, even if City will be uh, on the road in Portland the battlehawks will make their much awaited long awaited return to the dome and and that's proper downtown an area where of course as we talked about our, our city can use that investment uh, in economically and humanly uh, in just getting people there and and having that excitement and, and that energy around our city the battle hawks return at long last and you know we're expecting a, a big crowd we've been told at least thirty thousand, and maybe more opening up the the upper level of the dome and and we were just talking with anthony miller an xfl reporter talking about how st louis is viewed as as probably the crown jewel of xfl cities because of that interest uh what's the sports commission uh, commission's involvement there and and what's the uh, outlook for this sunday when the battle hawks finally return
6: so it's fabulous just to have that incremental activity and excitement that the Battlehawks bring. And you know, anytime you're going to bring 30,000, 35,000 more people to downtown than would otherwise be there on a on a Sunday, that's a big boost. And you know, you, you talk about the Battlehawks and City S C and the Valley, and I think you used the word earlier, momentum. Uh, in the conversation and it's really fabulous this great sports momentum that's that's going on and and we're not even talking yet about Cardinals opening day and what the Blues bring to the table uh already but it's just exciting to see this between the Valley City SC the Battlehawks NASCAR IndyCar golf and then us bringing the the Mizzou Memphis football game there there's quite a lineup uh coming up we always want to do more and do bigger events but I think it's a real thrill to see the sports momentum, uh, that that's going on and, and the life, the vibrancy that that we want to try to inject into the, the, the downtown core and to the region in general.
2: Yeah. It's funny that you say that obviously these sorts of conversations, we sort of omit the Cardinals and the blues because we, they're so established and, you know, we've, we've been, uh, around them for a while and and the positive contributions that they can make to to St. Louis. They feel like Constance. We end up focusing on what's new, but obviously their contributions cannot be ignored by any stretch on the bigger picture level. I think first of all, before we get into what really comes next, can you explain to those of us who might not understand? We maybe have a, a vague idea. What really is the St. Louis sports commission's role in bringing these things to St. Louis and in trying to advance this mission of the city through sports?
6: Sure. You know, our primary function is is we look to make St. Louis a better place to live, visit, work, and play through sports. Our primary function is going out and creating, attracting, managing, and producing major sporting events to the region. So some um, some of these activities were, we're more on the Peripheral, So, you know, we don't take credit for, for City SC or, or for the Battle Hots, but, but then there are events like the Missouri-Memphis football game coming up, the Olympic gymnastics trials uh, that, that we did in 2021. We, we have the NCAA Frozen Four coming up in 2025, the men's basketball first, second rounds in 26, and, and those are the events that we go out aggressively to pursue for our community And then once we win those bids, uh, we're the entity that's producing those events, making it happen uh, for the community, working with the venues and the partners that we have here in St. Louis to make them be successful, and all with the hope of driving economic development and social benefit for our region and showcasing St. Louis in in a very positive light. And, And we saw that, too. Uh, this past weekend that, you know, w- what a great statement to make to the country to have that environment that we did with CESC. And the same thing will happen with the Battle Hawks next weekend with them on ESPN, too. And, and that's what we're looking to do is drive economic development and, and really um, showcase St. Louis uh, as a, a vibrant, uh, growing, thriving place. Yeah,
2: you know, it's interesting, too, and this is maybe a little bit of my bias because obviously you and I are on the same team in this regard in trying to advance this mission of the city and to do it by attracting all these great sporting events here. But I think about the stuff that you listed in particular. I remember when the gymnastics trials came here and I was I don't want to say blown away because I know this city supports sports. But the level of support was was really phenomenal. And I would think when those kind of organizations come here, and maybe you have to convince them and and make a good application through the bidding process and, and try to lure them here. But when you get those organizations here, you must get positive reviews at the level of engagement, the level of interest from the community, and the platform that provides as a result for the athletes who compete in this city. I would think we have to get a lot of repeat customers.
6: You're exactly right. And, you know, if there's something we do really well in St. Louis, it's sports. This community comes together in a great way. It's a unifying force uh, for for the region. And time and time again, St. Louis has stepped up, and we're very fortunate because we have great fans. We have a tremendous business community that really gets it and steps forward to help make the event successful. And, and as you said, the – the Olympic gymnastics trials were a great example of that. Um, You know, it it came at a time, it was June of 21, and and we were missing out on a lot of events because of the pandemic. And that was sort Mm. of the first big one to happen that that had a large crowd associated with it. And it was such a big deal for downtown at the time um, because our downtown, like many other cities, uh, we're, we're struggling with the effects of the pandemic. And so, um, yes, for us to be able to, to host an event like that was, was a big deal. And to be able to do it in the way we did, I think reflected so well uh, on St. Louis. I mean, we have our challenges, they're well documented, but I think we also, from a sports standpoint, uh, from the standpoint of being a sports event destination, we punch above our weight and, and we have a really solid track record of success.
2: Yeah. Just one more. We really appreciate your time tonight. Mark Schreiber, the St. Louis sports commission joining us uh, tonight on, on KMOX. Uh, Mark, I don't want to put you in a position to have to comment on anything that's, you know, that can't be spoken about publicly yet, but in general terms or, are there any events still out there that you've got your eye on? Are there things that you're excited about that you think we could still bring to St. Louis? What I guess what I'm asking is what are your ambitions moving forward, considering all that St. Louis has accomplished over the last few years and has coming in the next few years and everything the commission has already done for this city and for this region? What are your ambitions over the next five or 10 years?
6: No, it's a, it's a great question and a fair question to to ask. And, I'll kind of go sort of all over the map with, with it if you don't mind. But from a college football standpoint, we we love we we've, we've got Mizzou Memphis coming, Mizzou Illinois, which was a great yeah. series back in the 2000s. Um, they're scheduled to play on campus. We'd love to get them uh, to to St. Louis to play in the dome again. So that that's something we're going to be working on. We're actually waiting to hear on a bid for the Olympic gymnastics trials for 2024. Love to see the U.S. figure skating championships, which we last hosted in 2006. We'll be eyeing that event for 2026, which is an Olympic year. So it would, in essence, um, be the Olympic Trials that year. From an NCAA championship standpoint, the, the, the soccer city, uh, city park, the new soccer facility, opens the door for a host of new opportunities. So the College Cup, men's and women's, the, the men's and women's soccer National Championship. Love to bring that event here. Um, another NCAA event is the NCAA Women's Volleyball Championship. We've, we've not hosted that here, and it would be a perfect fit for Enterprise Center. And then just beyond that, thinking really big, I, I would love for us to one day be back at the level where we're a Final Four city, where we could do the Final Four, maybe even a college football a national championship. Now that's really aspirational and it's going to take a lot of work to get there. But you know, when, when you think you look out a decade from now, love to see us be back at that level and pursue events like that.
2: I tell you what, Mark, you, you got me fired up tonight. It's, it's, uh, almost 10 o'clock on a Tuesday night and I'm ready to run through a wall for you and the St. Louis sports commission, because that is the kind of ambition that I like to hear in our city.
6: That, that's great. We we will we'll make you part of the bid team, Nate. So, <laughs> I, I, I love that I can get you pumped up later this time of evening.
2: I, I am at your service, Mark. Thank you so much for joining us tonight.
6: It's great to be with you. Thank you for having me on.
2: Mark Schreiber of the St. Louis Sports Commission joining us. You can ha- check out more about them at stlsports.org or on Twitter at stlsports.com. That's c o m. Well, we only got 15 minutes left with you uh, tonight, so we're going to step aside and return uh, for a little bit of quick talk on St. Louis men's basketball before you hear them on Thursday afternoon here on KMOX, tipping off the 810 men's basketball tournament. You're listening to At Your Service on KMOX.
7: Just do a quick search for Tecovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tecovas.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com and point your toes west. As
5: we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart-healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0-1 to grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. All with no compromise on the taste, texture, and bready goodness you expect from your favorites.
8: it's that time of year cash the ticket jim costa with mike valeni we shift the focus from football to college hoops getting us ready for the tournament where we're going to break down all the matchups and have an eye on some future
2: plays too. search cash the ticket on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts let's talk some st louis billikens men's basketball on at your service on kmox tonight The Billikins are getting ready for the uh, A-10 tournament. Of course, the Billiken women just won the A-10 championship for the first time in their program's history, and they're going to the NCAA tournament for the first time. You heard uh, Rebecca Tillett earlier tonight uh, on Sports Open Line with Matt Pauley, first-year head coach of the Billikins, who has engineered quite the turnaround of the program and really of the season uh, and gotten them into the NCAA tournament. That's a place the Billiken men haven't been since 2019. Their only NCAA tournament appearance in seven seasons under Travis Ford, although that counts this one, so they could still make it with uh, a conference championship potentially in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center where they will tip off on Thursday at uh, 1 o'clock Central Time, 1247 pregame here on KMOX. Bob Ramsey, Earl Austin Jr. will have it for you. This is, of course, your home for Billiken basketball I think it's a little bit surprising that Billiken's athletics director, Chris May, already was making his rounds earlier. uh, It really was yesterday when he made the comments saying that Travis Ford, Billiken's head coach, is completely safe. That he expects Travis Ford to be the coach of the Bills for a long time. I don't want to take away from what Travis Ford has done because they've done a lot more winning than losing. He took over a program that was not in an ideal place. They won only 12 games his first year then 17 then they broke 20 wins and made the tournament in the 2018-19 season and essentially this is their fifth straight year of 20 wins technically they were 14 and 7 in that in the covid year but they only played the 21 games they still won 2 thirds so i'm going to give them credit for that this is a this is a team that's been winning 2 thirds or better of their games essentially for the last 5 years and that's a that's not insignificant 10 and 8 12 and 6 6 and 4 12 and 6 12 and 6 in the A10 that's pretty good it's a good league 12 and 6 is a good record this year in the A-10. At the same time, I just wonder if this is really what Billikens fans need to accept. One tournament, two NIT first rounds. Travis Ford has won a grand total of one NCAA tournament game as a head coach ever. Ever. He's been in Division one since 2000. That was in 2008, his first year at Oklahoma State. He had Phil Forte, now an assistant at SLU, and Marcus Smart, now with the Boston Celtics, together in his backcourt at Oklahoma State for multiple seasons in a row and couldn't get them past the first round. They had some good teams, won 24-9, 2012-13 season. But he couldn't get them past the first round after that first season all the way back in the 2009 tournament. I just don't think that's good enough. I mean, is this an unfair standard for Travis Ford? You know, am I holding him to a standard of a Hall of Fame caliber coach in Rick Majerus who delivered everything and more for this city and for this program? At the same time, this is a major market, a place where people will show up for good slew teams, and where they have as beautiful an arena as there is in mid-major basketball. I mean, Chaffetz Arena is 10,000 seats of perfect for this city. They should be able to recruit to that. And Travis Ford can recruit. He brings in great talent, and then they just don't play quite up to the level that they should. There's too much talent on this team. Now they've gotten unlucky, right? One of the only grinders they really have in Fred Thatch tears his ACL, misses the rest of the season. Javante Perkins, after his ACL tear before last season, preseason A ten player of the year, he he's had some good scoring numbers over the last month. Really hasn't had the same burst, has had trouble turning the corner. I mean, you can't you can't blame him for any of that. I just can't help but watch the Billikins and feel like they could do better. That they have more talent than the the Number of games they're winning. Yuri Collins is a phenomenal player, one of the best to have ever played at SLU. And sometimes it feels like Travis Ford allows Yuri Collins and his talent to be the whole offense. That VCU home game, the last eight minutes, how many sets did they run? How many times is it just Travis Ford says, Yeah, Yuri, bring the ball in the front court, high screen and roll with Francis Okoro, and we'll see what happens. Yuri gets a screen, Yuri tries to make something happen a ball handler of that caliber, a passer of that caliber with scores on either side of him of the caliber of Gibson, Jimerson and Javante Perkins and an interior threat and a rebounder the caliber of Francis Okoro, Slew should be winning the A-10. You give Rick Majerus that team and Slew's in the top 25 for sure. Are we sure that this team has less talent than the Slew team that was in the top 10? I'm not confident. This is a really talented group, and they just don't deliver at the same level because they don't play as hard. They are not nearly as disciplined at either end of the floor. They turn the ball over too easily. They don't defend as hard. They're not as committed, and they're not as creative offensively, and all of those, to me, feel like coaching. I am convinced Travis Ford is a great recruiter, and if you were a high major coach at the top of your game, I don't think there's anybody you'd rather have as your associate head coach and recruiting coordinator than Travis Ford. And that's more than good enough to keep him employed as a head coach somewhere in the country at any given time in Division One. I. I worry that Slew is just getting kneecapped by not quite enough ambition. The hire was worthwhile, and, and Travis Ford has brought in the talent that he was brought to St. Louis to bring, if you will. That was a lot of brings in one sentence. But Travis Ford came to St. Louis. He was hired to bring talent and put it on the court. And he's done that. I think what we're realizing is the limitations of pure talent, even in, in the mid-major levels. They are just not producing at the level that's necessary. Now, it's understandable if Chris May feels like taking into account contract situation, that another year or two is just a financial reality, and they have to give Travis Ford the opportunity to excel, to finally put everything together, to have some better injury luck. But I have a hard time looking at this roster Assuming that the likes of Yuri Collins and Gibson Jimerson, who went through senior night in the win over Dayton to close out the regular season, and it appears are moving on and not going to use the bonus year of eligibility they have. Assuming that they are moving on. I have a hard time thinking this is a, a slew roster barring a massive influx of transfers that's going to be more talented next year than it is this year. And if this year was the best that they could get out of this talent, I hesitate to think that they're going to be better. And you wonder about how many good, not great seasons can Slew accept before that's it. Slew's a good, not great A-10 team. A good season is getting a double bye in the A-10 tournament, getting in the top four. Maybe they go on a run as a result. They win a conference championship. They make the NCAA tournament. And they have one other good year when they get an at-large, make the NCAA tournament, you know, twice out every 10 years. I hope that's not the standard we're going to accept. That's all we really have to talk about. We're out of time tonight. But we'll see what uh, happens for the Billikins in this A-10 tournament. Hoping for the best. Hoping they can put things together. Because this is a talented team that could surprise some people in March. They can get themselves in. That's Thursday afternoon here on KMOX. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Appreciate you all. This has been At Your Service. I'm Nate Gatter saying so long. You're tuning in to KMOX. How powerful
0: is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island